Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves. Do you want to know how to better study God's Word? Then participate in one of our free online workshops or join one of our online Bible studies. There's tons of times and options to choose from. Head to our website to register now at www.preceptministries.ca. On our website, you can also get connected to our social media pages and join our email list to stay updated on the many things God is doing through Precept Ministries. We want to hear from you. If you have been impacted by these podcasts, then we want to know. Email us your testimonies to info at preceptministries.ca. We can't wait to hear about how God is working in your life. Now, stay tuned for Unlocking the Truth, a study on the book of 2 Thessalonians. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Sheldrake here, Unlocking the Truth podcast, episode 5 today in 2 Thessalonians. So thankful that you are tuning in. If you are tuning in on the Precept Canada app, we are so thankful that you have downloaded that app. I hope you are enjoying it. Easy access to the podcast, as well as other information where you can find a class, where you can find uh, local training, and you can connect directly to our e-store. We've made this app for you. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, Please send us any feedback, info at preceptministries.ca on how we can make that app better for you. If you've not downloaded it yet, please visit the Apple App Store or Google Store and download by searching Precept Canada. We'd love to have you download that and uh, stay engaged with the ministry through our app. Also want to let you know that uh, as we head into the final quarter of this ministry's year, we have our year end at December 31st, that not only is Unlocking the Truth podcast a part of the Precept Ministries Canada overall ministry and mission of engaging people in relationship uh, through knowing God's word, that uh, our desire and our hope as we move into 2021, excuse me, is to raise up uh, hundreds of new leaders for Bible study all across Canada. Why do we need new leaders? Because we have many areas of our country that still need to be impacted with with our great Bible studies and get people into the word through this wonderful method of precept inductive Bible study. If you would like to partner with us in raising up new leaders, uh, and we know that as we come to the end of the year, many charities across Canada are looking for uh, for um, partners in ministry financially that uh, you would... Um, Think about precept and think about the impact that precept has had on on your life and maybe even uh, this Unlocking the Truth podcast and respond in kind by uh, giving um, to the ministry to help us raise up new leaders. Your donations directly go right back into the ministry in Canada. So you can uh, find out more, preceptministries.ca, and click the Give Today button at the top of the website. Without further ado, let's pray and let's dig into 2 Thessalonians Uh, chapter 3. Father, we do thank you for today. We thank you for uh, this ministry. We thank you for the way that you continue to bless this ministry through engaging many new people in your word. Father, as we walk through uh, the scriptures this morning, as we walk through uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and just just a few verses that we're going to touch on 
uh, this week. Before we hit our final episode, Lord, we ask that you would speak clearly to us, that you would challenge us uh, today, Lord. This this one here, this is a personal uh, uh, message and a conversation uh, simply because it's all about talking to you. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, uh, speak clearly to us. Show us in the ways in which we can better communicate with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are. We are into Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, but we're only going to spend a, a few uh, moments and uh, in a few verses. So I want you to uh, think about some things. The first question I want to ask you before we even begin, and, and think about this as you uh, ponder this podcast this week, and, and that is, what is your prayer life like? Uh, are you a person who prays every day? Are you a person who uh, prays when um, you need something from God, when, when things aren't going well, when you're in the midst of suffering and persecution and trials, then you cry out to God? Or are you a person that um, doesn't have a really strong prayer life and you are um, wanting your prayer life to get even better? Uh, I always compare um, prayer as plugging into the source. It's literally getting on our hands and knees. We may not actually bow down, but whatever position, place we're in, we we uh, bow before God, we recognize his authority over us, and we raise our prayers and petitions to him, uh, thanking him for who he is, also to um, pray that he would continue to work in our lives, work in the lives of others, and, and again, just continually praise him through prayer for our salvation. So we're going we're gonna to look at uh, a couple of verses uh, this week discussing prayer. But before I do, uh, I want to share a couple of things with you uh, that we have uh, some great resources on prayer. We have a 40-minute Bible study uh, on the essentials of effective prayer, and that walks through um, the uh, Lord's Prayer and really uh, gives us a good understanding of how Jesus uh, gave the example to pray. We also have a, a material called Teach Me to Pray in 28 Days. And so this is much like the Teach Me to Study the Bible in 28 Days, but the focus is on how to ignite your prayer life. And so uh, this is a great opportunity, a great tools that will go even deeper than we are going to go into this podcast today. So uh, finally, the other thing that uh, you might want to consider participating in is check out the website, preceptministries.ca, and see uh, when we are offering the workshop called Biblical Prayer. It is a fantastic workshop in which you will see throughout Scripture uh, great examples of how to pray and how to engage in conversation with God. And so uh, any one of those options is fantastic because uh, in the time we have uh, together, um, there's so much in the scriptures about prayer, so much we can learn, but uh, we won't be able to cover it all today. So just uh, think about that. How's your prayer life and, and how do you want to it to grow? How would you want it to change as you move into the new year as one of those things being a major focus of the spiritual disciplines is how will I uh, engage the Lord more in prayer? Well, we have phenomenal examples in the scriptures of uh, great 
prayer, we also have some of the patriarchs of the, of the Christian life, people who have um, really shown us what it's like to, to be completely dependent on God through prayer. And, uh, you know, I would challenge you as you uh, grow in your faith that if you're not looking at some of these uh, great Christians of old and studying them, guys like George Mueller and Hudson Taylor and Martin Luther, uh, then you should probably uh, spend some time because they, these guys are phenomenal examples that <clears throat> we can challenge ourselves uh, to follow in that example. Not that I we don't want to follow in the example of Jesus. I'm thinking more of like Paul. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Well, these men are great examples. George Mueller, wonderful example. Hudson Taylor, stepping out in faith and heading to China. Um, Martin Luther, another one. Uh, Bonhoeffer, he's another uh, great example of men of prayer that uh, we would want to uh, pay close attention to. Another individual, and I just love uh, his writings. I feel like he's one of the the gurus of, of prayer, is E.M. Bounds. And uh, you can find um, his uh, materials on um, many different uh, book websites. But E.M. Bounds has written uh, a number of different books on prayer. And then he has one that somebody's put together and compiled the complete works of E.M. Bounds. And in that book, it is so challenging to see how prayer is um, uh, taken up by him and how he encourages us to pray. Another individual is Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon has one of my favorite quotes on prayer, and that's where uh, I wanted to start with today. And and Charles Spurgeon said, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. And I just, when I think about that, I think about how amazing it is that uh, when I seek God and I seek him in prayer, when I have conversation with him, when I pray uh, the will of God, that God will answer and God will move. And so um, I'm looking at throughout scriptures, and I'm seeing how Jesus uh, said the same thing, ask and it will be given to you, uh, seek and you will find me, and, and so many different passages that, that talk about prayer, and this is really, I'm telling you right now, this is one of the most important spiritual disciplines that we can have as Christians. Uh, I believe right at the top is the Word of God. Uh, that is the most important spiritual discipline that you can undertake, that you would study God's word each and every day. As you study God's word, you begin to know who God is and not just what he does, but what his character is. And then as you learn his character, you learn his promises, you learn how faithful he is. And then out of all of that knowledge and wisdom that comes from God's word about your relationship with God, it forms and shapes your prayers. And that's what we see in the text. And that's what we see within the scriptures. Uh, we see not only in the scriptures, but these historical men like, like Spurgeon and Bounds and Bonhoeffer and Taylor, um, all of these men, they knew God. And because they knew God, they knew how to pray, and they would see answered prayer. And so uh, another example of this is Paul. 
Uh, Paul was an individual who was a man of prayer. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, in those first five verses, uh, what we're going to look at today is prayer. It is prayer uh, for the church and for himself. And then I want to walk through a number of different scriptures. I want to go back to 1 Thessalonians. I want to look uh, throughout 2 Thessalonians and just look at these examples of prayer. And, and just see how we can form and shape our prayer life uh, as individuals. Okay, now we're going to look at uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And uh, I just love this because uh, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 uh, really sounds like a benediction. We talked about that last week, this, this benediction that, uh, that comes through. But now he says, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in you concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. So, so right here in, in these verses, we have Paul uh, requesting prayer. And so uh, let's look at um, the requests for prayer that he has. Now, if you're taking notes, you want to write these requests down and see how these requests that Paul lays out can form and shape your own prayer life. And so the first one is that that the church would pray for Paul, for Silas and Timothy, for for them. And and I wonder about this us, okay? I know I know that uh, this most likely connects to uh just the authors, all right? So that's important. But there's also this idea, I think, that this can also be something that we should be praying uh, that for us, that God would use us to make this happen. In the same way that God was using the church, the, the second Thessalonians church, or in that Thessalonians church to move the gospel forward, which we'll, we'll come back to and we'll look at again chapter chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. All right, so he says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you. And so here, here we have um, this first prayer request, which is that the gospel would move forward into uh, ministry and have its impact in the same way that it impacted the church when Paul and Silas brought it uh, in Acts chapter 17. This goes back all the way to 1 Thessalonians. And so uh, the request is that the gospel would move, have the same impact that it has as it had in this church, and that it would happen quickly, and that God would be glorified. So uh, we'll look at these for example, uh, one by one. All right, so let's look at the gospel and how it spreads. So 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, we're going to see uh, what Paul described in, in part of a prayer in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians when he was thankful 
to God for the church. And here's what he said. He said, we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers. Then he's going to get specific in some of the things that he's praying for because he's constantly bearing in mind as he prays their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing Brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you for our gospel. Here it is. Okay, this is this is what he's talking about, that the gospel would spread rapidly uh, just like it did with you. The gospel did not come to the Thessalonians in word only, but it came in power and in Holy Spirit and with the full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you. After the gospel came, they became imitators of Paul and Silas and Timothy, but not only of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, but they also imitated the Lord. They received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Then they became examples to other believers wherever their faith went forward. Uh, Paul goes on to say in 1 Thessalonians that as he's praying, he is thankful that they are a church and they are a people that turned from idols to serve a living and true God. And now they wait for the return of Jesus Christ because he rescues them from the wrath to come. And so what Paul is praying for just right in that first section of chapter 3 verse 1 is he is praying that the gospel would go out, that Paul and Silas and Timothy would be used to further the gospel ministry to other locations and that it would have the impact that it had on this church. I mean, when you look at this church and you see this church, you know that the gospel not only had an impact, it became the foundation for which everything they did. They followed Paul's example, they followed Silas' example, they followed Timothy's and the Lord, and they took the gospel out and began to make an impact elsewhere. This is what Paul wants. Paul wants multiplication. He wants the gospel to impact another church and then that church go out and further the kingdom of God. And he wants this message to spread rapidly. Now, this right here is the desire that we have as an organization at Precept. We want the word of God to go forth. We want it to spread rapidly. We want people to be engaged in relationship with his word. We want people to know God. We want people to be transformed by God. We want people to be transformed by the very voice of God that are found in the 66 books of this Bible. The reason we want this is because as more and more people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, as more and more people become knowledgeable and have the wisdom that comes from understanding the scriptures and really knowing their God, the culture will change. You see, it's so vital that our culture be changed. We are a culture that celebrates sin. We celebrate lawlessness. 
the major impact that's going to happen is prayer, that the gospel will move forward, to be watchful of those opportunities, to be able to share the gospel, and then have God move his hand across the world and make it happen. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world. We cannot accomplish any of this without bathing it in prayer. We've got to find open doors of opportunity. I mean, these are Christianese things that we talk about. How do you find open doors of opportunity? You pray and you ask God to open those doors. And as you are in your prayer, you are listening intently for God to show you direction. You want to know how God speaks? God speaks more through his word than any other way. So if you want to hear the voice of God, you need to be in his word. So the prayer is that Paul, Silas, and Timothy would have opportunity to spread the gospel. And the result, do you notice the result that comes from that verse? All right, the result is not that Paul can tick another church off on his resume that he has gone to another location on one of his missionary journeys and he can stand proud with the very fact that, guess what? God opened a door for me and I got to go through that door and when I preached the gospel there, that church was transformed and you should see them now. No, he says that God would be glorified. Now, the, the, the quick question is, how would God be glorified? The God would be glorified in this as the gospel goes, that it's not just heard, but that it's heard, it's received, and it's implanted in the individual's life to the point that this new believer, this new Christian, uh, works towards maturity through obedience to God's word. Uh, God is glorified as we become obedient to his truth. But you see, we, we have to first hear the gospel, receive the gospel, take it in, implant it in our hearts, and then go out and live a transformed life. This is how God will be glorified. Uh, the scriptures have, have shown us uh, this throughout Second Thessalonians about the, the glorification of Jesus Christ. In Second in Thessalonians chapter 1, he, he talks about uh, the relief that'll come. Uh, he, he talks about how this church is persevering, how they're uh, dealing uh, in their faith and they're growing. Uh, and he said, this, plain, this is plain indication, this suffering and persecution is an indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay affliction with those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us well, um, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed with heaven and his mighty angels in a flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These people will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory in his power. And when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, and to be marveled among all who believe, for our testimony to you was that we believe. To this end we pray, that our God would count you worthy of your calling, 
and fulfill every desire for goodness and work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you, in him, according to the grace of our God, that the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you hear this second part of this is one of these prayers that we're, we're going to look at here because this is another prayer from Paul. And the prayer is that God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness in the work of faith with power. So that, term of conclusion, folks, so that Jesus will be glorified. How is he glorified? He's glorified in our obedience. Our obedience going through suffering, trial, persecution, being completely obedient no matter what the circumstances glorifies God. And this is what he's talking about, that as the gospel moves forward, and we have obedience to that gospel, not just hearing the words, but receiving them and taking them in and living by them. God will be glorified. This is the prayer that Paul has in verse 1. And he says, man, uh, chapter 1, he talked about how he, he was bragging about the church, how he was boasting in the church. And uh, we'll look at that in a minute, uh, more of why he was boasting. But he was boasting in them. And why wouldn't you boast in that church? Because man, oh man, they were glorifying God in their obedience to the gospel. They heard it. They received it within much tribulation. They were convicted of their sins. They, they turned from idols to worship a living and true God. They were examples, and they took the gospel out. They believed in the mission of populate heaven and plunder hell, and they were doing it. That's why Paul was so excited to talk about them, because they were a living example of transformation. And now he's praying that there would be more churches pop up, just like this Thessalonican church, because this Thessalonican church is having an impact on their culture. Well, how do you pray? When it comes to this, how do you pray when the gospel moves forward? Do you pray for opportunities to take the truth of the gospel to people that so desperately need to hear it? Or are you praying for others to do that task for you? Or are you just praying that God would move across this nation and transform it through the truth of his word? Because this is my prayer, that God would use people like you and me, that he would equip us, that he would strengthen us, that he would encourage us to be, be bold for Jesus Christ, to go out and populate heaven and plunder hell, that I wouldn't move outside of God's plan in this and not move too quickly, but follow his lead. Because I want him to be glorified. I don't want to do this in my own power. If I try to do anything in my own power, I'm going to be a complete failure. I've got to do it in the power of God. Uh, look what he says in the next part of this prayer. He says, um, and... 
All right, so let me go back to the beginning. Just just keep us context-wise here. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. Uh, The other part of this prayer is that he wants to be rescued from this perverse and evil men. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel the same way. I'm not under, don't get me wrong, I'm not under the persecution that this church is facing. I'm not under the persecution that Paul is facing. I'm, I'm not, I've never been shipwrecked. I've never been scourged. I've never been beaten. I've never been arrested. I've never been brought before the courts. I've never had to speak to government officials about my faith. The opportunity has not been there. God has not put that on my life. There are others in precept ministries throughout the world that have had many of these things happen to them. What I've been praying for in my own prayer life is that God would just simply rescue me from the world. But I'm a lot like Paul in Philippians. To live is Christ. To die is gain. I was speaking to a pastor uh, this week on the phone, and uh, one of the uh, conversations that we were having was directly around this idea of uh, being removed from this uh, from perverse and evil men. Uh, we were talking about the culture that we are in right now, and and just how. Uh, and I've talked about this on this podcast before. the The culture has changed drastically. Uh, we we celebrate sin. We celebrate new definitions of gender and marriage and and all of these different things that are so anti-biblical. They are against the truth of God's word. Uh, countries are, are reforming and reshaping uh, their systems to, to become more focused uh, away from scriptures. Uh, I'm watching closely, and, and by time this uh, probably comes onto the app and onto the internet, uh, the Supreme Court in the United States will have either um, voted um, the new uh, judge into place or it'll still be continuing on. I don't, I don't know, but I'm watching how faith is attacked in the world as something that is wrong and, and should not be uh, in place. Uh, have any of these people who have um, studied Scripture understood where judges have come from? You can go all the way back to Moses in a conversation with his father-in-law to know where judges came into place. These are, these are biblical principles of, of holding the law, and, and our culture wants to move further and further away from the Scriptures. And so as I was talking to this pastor, I was thinking through... Uh, you know, the, my prayers, and I'm like, come, Lord Jesus, come, rescue us from this evil and perverse generation. Uh, remove us from this creation that so groans because of sin. But at the same time, 
I'm like Paul and I am torn because I don't feel in my own life like I have accomplished everything that I need to accomplish. When Jesus prayed before God in John chapter 17, he said that he has accomplished what you have sent him to do. He had confidence in knowing that as he went to the cross, that he was going to die on the cross, that his job was done. I look around Canada, and I don't feel like my job is done. One of the reasons we're having this podcast, and we're having all these training workshops and Bible studies and doing things online, is we want to see our nation transformed back to a biblical focus and a biblical worldview on God. We know that God needs to do the work, but I pray each and every day that God would use me to be able to have an impact. So as I pray and I want to be in the presence of God, I know that there's still work to be done here. And so I'm, I'm praying that God would just use me to my fullest until he calls me home. This is a phenomenal example of this is Kay Arthur, 87 years old. She's 87 years old and she claims no retirement in war and she is going to keep working to further the gospel until Jesus takes her home. Well, I pray that that's me at 87 years old, still pushing the message of Jesus Christ out to all who will hear. Because my mission is populate heaven and plunder hell. But he's praying that they'd be removed, rescued from the perverse and evil generation. Uh, chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians 10. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the rescue that comes with Jesus. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. What are we looking for? The coming and gathering of believers. Uh, we want Jesus to rescue us from this world. He's praying for that. And he's asking the church to pray for them for that. Now, the, the interesting part comes into verse 3. And, and verse 3 is a contrast. And, and you see, Paul, in his prayer and in his requests, he knows the long term. He understands that uh, this rescue may be a while, that it's not something that is going to happen tomorrow. It could happen tomorrow. He didn't know. But we know now, uh, years removed, it didn't. But what he did know is he did know verse 3. Why? Well, one, he wrote it, right? He put it in the letter. But secondly, he knew this truth. Why? Because he knew God. And he says in verse 3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Uh, as he's walking through and he's saying, pray that the gospel would move forward. Um, not sure if you, you, you know this or you have grasped this, but when you push the gospel message forward against a culture that has anti-gospel and anti-Bible, you are going to face suffering and persecution. No doubt in my mind that as you push it forward, you're going to be rejected. You're going to be rejected by the world. The gospel of John. 
the world will hate you because it hated me. The message of the gospel is offensive. The message is that you are headed for wrath if you don't have Jesus Christ. That you're headed for eternal destruction in hell. In a world and in a culture that's forming and shaping their own moral truth and what is good and what is bad, when they line it up to scriptures, it's offensive to them. So you're going to face suffering and persecution. There's no doubt about it. But you notice Paul, he says, pray that it moves forward. He knows he's going to face suffering and persecution. I mean, when he went to Thessalonica, they tried to kill him. He had just left prison in Philippi. He knew. He absolutely knew his God. And he also knew the response of the world as he pushed the gospel forward. But he says right here, as an encouragement to this church, as you pray and as you push the gospel forward, as you populate heaven and plunder hell, pray that God would rescue us, that he would return, that this coming and gathering would occur because we know that when that coming and gathering happens, we'll have relief, we'll be in the presence of Jesus Christ. But until that time, church, know that God is faithful and that as you push the mission, that you will be protected from the evil one and that he will strengthen you to be able to persevere and continue on as you suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, how can Paul make that statement? Well, he knows that God is faithful. He's seen God shake and rattle the bars of a prison. He's seen God shake the earth to get him out of prison. He's seen God protect him as he was in Thessalonica. He's seen God protect him as he's gone before courts. He's been beaten and scourged, but you know what? He's not dead. He continues to populate heaven and plunder hell. And so he knows the faithfulness of God. And he wants this church to know the faithfulness of God as well. Remember, God is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will protect you from the evil one. Listen to how he continues to encourage them. He says, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. That you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Uh, all of this is a part of prayer and, and things that, Paul desires for them. Uh, we have here uh, first that this great encouragement is, hey, we are confident in you. We know that you are running well and that you are going to continue to be obedient to the truth of God's word. Paul's not instructing them to do anything outside of what God's word and what God has spoken. 
He's calling them to be obedient and to persevere, to be complete, to be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, to walk in truth, to hold fast, to stand firm on the traditions that you were taught. All of these things that Paul is pushing them towards is pushing them towards the truth of God's word. And he says, we have confidence that you're going to keep doing it, that you're going to keep propelling forward, that you're going to keep on mission, that you're going to keep walking in faith, that we're going to keep thinking about your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. You see, these things that are mentioned in verse 5, they all connect back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. So may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Well, we also know uh, from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says, uh, we always ought to give thanks. We pray to God and give thanks to you because your faith is greatly enlarged. And the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. So there's, there's something that's happening here, okay? So what he says is, may the Lord direct your hearts. This is verse 5 of chapter 3. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. Well, how do you fall deeper in love with God? Well, as your faith grows in God, and as you've seen God answer your prayers and, and continue to develop uh, your relationship with him, you'll fall in greater love with him. This is the thing that when you study God's word and you go verse by verse through the scriptures and you dig in and get to know who God is, you will fall in greater love with him. The more you love him, the more you understand him, the more you want to talk to him, the more you pray along his will, and the more you see God at work in answering prayer. And so the prayer is that they would uh, move into a greater love. Well, they are growing in their love for God and for others. That's, that's the, the fruit of their relationship with God is their love with others. But he also says that God, that Lord would direct them into the steadfastness of Christ. And the steadfastness and perseverance uh, is looking a lot like 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, where Paul is so thankful for their work of faith, their labor of love, and their steadfastness of hope. And a part of this prayer here in verse 5 is appointing to that they would keep their eyes on Jesus, that they would keep their hope fixed on Jesus Christ. Why? Well, because Jesus is coming. He's coming and he's going to gather those who are worthy of the kingdom of God. Chapter 1, verse 1 says that he will rescue us from the wrath to come. And so, uh, fall deeper in love with God that your hearts would grow in love toward God and that you would have your eyes fixed on Jesus, on this steadfast hope. Persevere until the return of Jesus Christ. 
uh, we have some other examples of Paul's thankfulness in prayer. And, and this is the first part of uh, developing our prayer life, is are we thankful? Are we praying for things that we are thankful for in our lives and in the lives of others? Uh, we also need to pray that God would move in a way that would spread the gospel across our country. Do you pray for our nation? Do you pray for our leaders? Um, do you pray for missionaries who are working throughout the world to take the gospel to some very difficult places? Uh, so we see some examples of Paul's thanksgiving. Uh, there's also uh, a thanksgiving prayer in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. Uh, he says, We should give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by God, because he chose you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the spirit of faith and truth. Uh, do you thank God that you are his child, that he has chosen you, out of all the people in the world, he chose you to be one of his children. Are you thankful for salvation? Do you pray that over yourself? Do you pray that over others? Thank you, Jesus, for saving my children from the wrath, from saving my spouse from the wrath, from saving me from the wrath. Uh, are we thankful in our prayers. Um, then we have uh, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, two, 3, uh, verse 16, is another prayer. He says, Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. Uh, this is a, a very interesting one. And, and if you look at what he's asking the Lord for, uh, May he grant you, church, peace. Well, why does this church need peace? All right, well, some of them have been shaken by false teaching. Many are under persecution and suffering. And so uh, I don't think that uh, Paul is praying for this peace that everything would be copacetic, that the persecution and the suffering would go away, that uh, the false teachers would completely disappear. We know that uh, lawlessness, when we did that timeline, that lawlessness right now is restrained but still at work, but it's going to get even worse. So that prayer is not that uh, they would just be able to lead this tranquil life and not have any more suffering and persecution and that they'd be completely removed from it. Uh, the peace that Paul is asking for is a greater understanding of position. Uh, this changes everything. Because when the God of peace gives you peace, you really know your position. And you are comfortable with where you are, regardless of the circumstances. Because you know that you now have on your passport stamp that you are a citizen of heaven. That you are a child of God. That nothing, absolutely nothing can separate you 
from God. And when you know that, and when you understand that, you will have peace. Well, we, we are in a world right now that has no peace. There are many people who are living in absolute fear of this pandemic. We have Christians who are worried and afraid of getting the virus. We have people that are so concerned about whether or not they they will remain on this earth as Christians. The peace is knowing that I'm a child of God. That I'll be I'm living a life that is worthy of my calling. That when Jesus returns, or it's my time to go home, that I will be in the presence of God. The God of peace can give us this because he can give us a greater understanding of our position. The Lord is with you. Uh, just think of that encouragement. And, and to know that as we pray, uh, we want to pray that God would give us peace. I just want to quickly uh, walk back to uh, Matthew um, chapter 6 and, and just quickly look at this Lord's Prayer and, and the example that Jesus uh, gives us in prayer. And, uh, and, and, and have this be our, our wrap-up for uh, today because uh, there's so much that's happening. And, and just to quickly summarize is that Paul... And we're watching through Second Thessalonians that he's praying that the gospel would move forward. That he's praying that, that Jesus would rescue uh, them from the wrath. But remember that God is faithful. He, he's praying um, confidence over them that God will strengthen and encourage them. That God will, will grant them peace in the midst of persecution and suffering. And so uh, what Jesus did is he, he said in Matthew 6 that as he was discussing praying... Uh, he said in verse 5, When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they will have their full reward. But when you pray, go into your inner room and close your door and pray to the Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Uh, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. And then he gives us this example. He gives us this example of how to pray. And he starts with, uh, pray then in this way. Our Father, who, is art in who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, all right, so the first, I've, I've bracketed these out as, as just an understanding of in ways in which we can develop our prayer life. And the first is uh, thankfulness and worship. And so when we pray, uh, we need to thank God for who he is and thank God for his character and thank God for what we are learning through his character. And, and worship the very fact that he has saved us. So, so there's this thankfulness and worship that uh, should surround our prayer. And then we have in verse 10, 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've bracketed out that as submission. This is us realizing that we are bowing before a mighty God and we are willing to do his will no matter what. That whether the circumstances we're in, whether it be suffering, persecution, uh, we're at the hands of false teachers, we know that there is purpose in this and that God's will would be done on earth, that he would oversee it, that he would reign, that he would come back. Your kingdom come. Oh, Jesus, please rend the heavens and come down. Return, come and gather, but submit to Jesus and his will. Uh, it says in verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And so I've summarized verse 11 as simply, we need to be praying for daily provisions. What do we need God to do? How do we need God to move? Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's actual put food on the table. Maybe it's open doors for the ministry to move forward, that the gospel would spread rapidly, that you'd give opportunity for me to speak the gospel to people in the world. And then the final part is this. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Pray for forgiveness. Father, search my heart. Forgive me for the way that I have been living moment by moment. Father, thank you for Jesus and the cross. These are the things you want to pray. Ask to be forgiven. That you'd be washed clean. Repent of sin. Finally, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Sound familiar? Rescue us from the perverse and evil men. We know that these evil men are working in the activities of Satan. So I, I summarize this final part as protection. That we would be praying protection over our lives and that we'd be praying the return of Jesus Christ. So there's a great example of prayer. We see the example in Paul. I challenge you in your homework because uh, if you were doing the second Thessalonians precept upon precept online class, you would have filled out charts upon charts about prayer. I mean, we could have spent hours walking through verses and verses where we see examples of Paul. But I would challenge you, go look at 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy, Philippians, Colossians, Hebrews, and see all of these different examples of how we should pray. But Jesus gives us the prime example, and that's why I want to encourage you, if you have an opportunity, pick up the 40-minute essentials of prayer, or teach me to pray in 28 days, or attend our biblical prayer workshop, because all of these things are going to form and shape the way you pray. But remember, start with worship. Submit to God's will. Ask for daily provisions. Repent. Ask for forgiveness of sin. And pray for protection as you go out in this world. I think it's even greater now that we pray for this protection. 
that this suffering and persecution on Christians is coming. It's coming quicker than we can even think. We need to be prepared. We need to know that God is with us, protecting us, that we have peace in our position. These are all ways in which we can have a greater impact. My hope is that through this week's podcast and through, through um, the final week of 2 Thessalonians, that, that you would uh, engage in greater conversation with God. Uh, we have a tendency to uh, bring uh, what Daniel Henderson in his book, Transforming Prayer, calls a grocery list of prayers. Dear God, this is what I need. And you start labeling off everything that you want God to do. But that we would stop and pause and think before we pray. That maybe we would write out some characteristics of God that we would want to pray, pray through. That thank you, God, for you are a great provider. Thank you, God, that you are most high. Thank you, God, that you are sovereign. Thank you, God, that you are Adonai. Uh, if you want to really get to know God, I would suggest picking up the, the Bible study we have called, Lord, I Want to Know You. If you want to pray through the character of God, this is a phenomenal study. Learn about God and his different names. But as you stop and you ponder and you pray, pray thankfulness over who God is. Thank him for his son, Jesus. And as you thank through the character, submit to his will. That through prayer, that as you're praying, and if you're praying for open doors, if you're praying for the gospel to move forward and that God would use you, you better be ready to submit and follow because God will open a door for you to do that. So as you pray, submit to him. Bring your daily provisions before him. Ask him to move in ways that you've never seen him move before. Then ask for forgiveness that God would clear your heart, that you would feel as though you were in great standing with God, that the relief that comes in repentance of sin, that you would also pray for protection. One of my favorite prayers all through Scripture, and this is where we want to wrap up, comes from Ephesians chapter 3. It is the verse that I have written everywhere. If I was a tattoo guy, maybe a tattoo. I'm not a tattoo guy. Never will be. But I used to have this uh, in our old building on the wall directly across from my desk, and I would stare at it every single day and be reminded of this truth. And this truth I have seen and I have prayed over uh, in my life, but also in this ministry's. And it is Ephesians chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 17. He says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of God that you would really understand this. And then in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Here comes the prayer. This is this was what was on my wall. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Um, this is this is mind-blowing when it comes to prayer. That God would do more, abundantly more, beyond what we would ever ask. Okay, that's pray, that we would give our provisions before God. But not only what we would ask, that we would think. Let me tell you, my mind, I don't know about you, I can think of some pretty big things that God could do. Like, turn this world upside down. Not not literally, but much like when Paul and Silas and Timothy brought the gospel message to Thessalonica, the accusations against them were that their teachings were upsetting the whole world. That the message was so countercultural that people were getting so upset, and yet in the midst of that, the gospel was propelling forward. That's happening today. We're seeing that all over the world. The gospel is propelling forward. Some of the places in the world that are facing the most suffering and persecution for Christians, the gospel is moving forward at lightning speed. Find a missionary from Ukraine and talk to them about how the gospel is moving forward. It's absolutely amazing. What about in in the northern parts of Africa, where this is the greatest uh, movement of, of building and planting churches in the world? In the midst of persecution, the gospel is moving forward. But, but I love what Ephesians is telling us, is that, that God would move in a way beyond we would ever be able to ask or think. Abundantly more. According to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forevermore. Man, this is my desire as I pray. I want God to move in ways that I could never imagine. I want to sit back and I want to be so thankful for how God moves. I want to, I want to sit back and I want to watch how God can move in an individual's life that right now I cannot imagine seeing this person receive the gospel and only by the power of God and his Holy Spirit, he knocks the stone off that heart and he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. I want my mind to be blown by the things that God does. And so I'm going to pray in that way. I'm going to pray and I'm going to thank God for who he is and his character. And when he, when he told Sarah in, in Genesis that nothing is impossible for God, I'm going to pray that. I'm going to pray those character traits. I'm going to submit to his will and what he has planned for this world and for my own life. I'm going to give my daily provisions. I'm going to 
continually seek God to, to transform me and show me the sin that I need to get rid of in my life. And I'm going to pray for protection as I walk out and I begin to serve God and be obedient to him because I know that being obedient to him is counterculture and, and I need him. I need him to protect me in that. I need that peace as I move forward and so do you. So how's your prayer life going to change? What are you going to do this week? Let me give you a couple practicals before we wrap up. One, uh, grab a notebook. Have a notebook with you. Write down your prayer requests. Write your prayer requests out before you pray. Two, seek out some characteristics of God. If you want to know a number of names of God, look through the book of Genesis. There are uh, four or five names of God right in the book of Genesis. Uh, Lord, I want to know you book and walk you through that uh, very simply. Write down in the notebook the characteristics of God and pray over them. Remind yourself in your notebook what you need to, sub- what you need to do to submit. And some of these things that are causing you not to submit to the will of God is sin. And so you need God to show you, to show you in your life where this sin is so you can get rid of it. I would challenge you to read Psalm 19 and look at what Psalm 19 says and what David is saying, search my heart, O God, for the sins that I do not know, for the sins that I commit that I do know, and for the ones that completely take me over. So search and ask God to show you the ways in which you're not submitting to him. Lift those daily provisions to him. Repent and ask for protection. Write it in your notebook. This is the most amazing thing, that as you write these things in your notebook and you keep praying them and you're diligent and you're faithful in your prayers, when you see God answer them and you begin to put check marks beside those prayers, I promise you this, that when you begin to see answered prayer, you're going to be so fired up. Your faith is going to be so ignited for Jesus. Your prayer life is going to be so ignited for Jesus that guess what? You want to go back for more because you want to see more and more answered prayer. Finally, I'll tell you about a woman in my church when I was pastoring. She prayed for the salvation of her son. Uh, She prayed by herself for many years. She prayed for 42 years for her son. Uh, We had a church service where we were uh, discussing the importance of bringing our our faith forward in in prayer and and some of our prayer requests. And she uh, brought to the front that we needed to pray for her son's salvation. And so we diligently in our prayer meetings, and and she continued to pray on her own, we prayed that God would soften his heart to hear the truth of the gospel. And that as we prayed this, that, that was just the constant prayer. She prayed it with her whole heart for 40, for 42 years. One Sunday, she came up to me after church and she said, Pastor Mark, I need to tell you something. And I said, what's going on? What? You have such a, a, a great joy and smile on your face. And she said, my son gave his life to Jesus. 
the persistent prayers of 42 plus years. And a man surrendered his life to Jesus. She saw answered prayer, the joy on her face. But more importantly, our church was so excited for that. We celebrated with her because we too saw answered prayer. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world. We must be in conversation with God if we want to see transformation. Oh, Father, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are sovereign over all things. That revelation, your son Jesus says he is the beginning and the end. That, Father, we know that throughout Scripture you promise that you promise to uh, redeem your people that you promise to save us from the wrath that is to come that your word is true that throughout generation upon generation we have never seen you break a promise we have seen humanity break promises but we've never seen you break a promise. And so in your scriptures in Revelation, when your son says he has become, he's coming soon, we know that we can count on that. We know that that is true. And so Father, we wait because we know you are faithful. So we wait for your return. But use us. Use us in the mission of populating heaven and plundering hell. Help us to see you at work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Preset Ministries, head to our website at www.presetministries.ca.